The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I am your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and intuitive psychotherapist. I want to thank you for tuning in to the show today. And I want to let you know that if you're having a challenging time during our extended pandemic, I am available for phone, Skype, FaceTime, and Zoom sessions. So please reach out if you are feeling some isolation. It is normal to be going through all sorts of feelings at this time. I posted a video on my Instagram, which is NOLA Therapy, just a few moments ago, talking about how we're all in a type of grief process, going through the changes collectively in the way that we socialize, uh, in the way that we're working. So it's really normal. If you might be fine one moment and yet overwhelmed with emotions, another. Check out that video if, you, if you'd like to on Instagram at NOLA Therapy and reach out to me, nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy. I have several offerings for you. I'm a thought coach. I have a book coming out on empathy and self-forgiveness. There are links on nolatherapy.com. And for my book, for an online class that I teach on empowerment, sourcing from within yourself, you can join my email list. And there are links to social media, which is easy to remember, NOLA Therapy everywhere on uh, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube even, where I post these podcasts and do some videos every week. Okay, shifting to my guest, I have a unique guest today. We are going to be with Mitch Markson. He is the Global Chief Creative Officer and President of Brand Consulting for Edelman. Edelman is the world's largest independent public relations firm. Yes? Oh, sorry. I just want to say that that was my former role. Um, okay. Now, um, I now have my own consultancy called Markson Idea Craft. So I just that wanted to clarify so, that. Sorry. Oh, I appreciate that so much. No, please jump in. I also want our <laughs> listeners to know about your expertise. In the past, you developed intellectual property for Edelman. You worked on campaign development and implementing the strategic and creative direction of client programs. I read that you have held at least three positions at 
I mean, held positions at three top 10 international public relations firms, and you have won national and international awards in the U.S. and the United Kingdom for your work. You are or have been a lecturer at the American University of Paris, and today we are discussing your book called The Imagination Playbook. And the reason I said Mitch is a unique guest is I haven't ever read a book like this. It's for people, for brands issues and and organizations and one of the things i really liked if you as the listener want to go check out his book on amazon is it's really interactive there are charts where you can write down about people who inspire you ideas that you've had so it's a really unique perspective mitch and i just want to welcome you to the show today thank you so much great to be here you're welcome yeah how long ago did you start your own company this is awesome well Thank you. So I, I actually, I mean, most of my life I've been in, uh, you know, sort of corporate agency life um, almost for you know, 30 years. And then about four years ago, I decided to take what I called an adult gap year <laughs> just to yeah. kind of reflect and, and change my course, a little bit of self-therapy for me. And then I, in during that year, I started thinking about what I wanted to do next. And so I came up with this idea of uh, something called Idea Craft, which was to focus um, my work on idea development and, and strategy for people, brands, um, and organizations as well. Okay. Interesting. And I know you're also known as the idea whisperer. I wondered if you could tell us more about how that nomenclature came about for you. Well, I think, you know, from very, and I talk about this at the beginning of my book, um, from early on, I think I was the person, um, even as a child, that was a, a great listener and someone that was very curious about other people and what they were doing. Um, whether I knew them or not. And I always, for some reason, had an idea for everyone, you know, and maybe it was a little bit of uh, protection for myself instead of, you know, what am I going to do? I was always saying, you know what, I think this would be a great thing for you to do. <laughs> and people, you know, still kind of my friends still, you know, make a little bit of fun of that because it was always, why don't you do this? And they would say, well, what about you, Mitch? Yeah. Why you do that too? Yeah, totally. You know, and I like in your book how you keep bringing us back to the relationship we have with our imagination. Can you talk to us some about that? Yeah, well, you know, what I what I found was a lot of people talk about ideas, especially in the business that I came from. You know, you've got creative directors, so we hear a lot about creativity and even ideas. But for adults, I found there was very little on the topic of imagination, which mm. I, I found kind of strange. And if you, you know, if any of, you, of your listeners Google imagination, most of what you find is in the realm of children. Children and actually, in a kind of funny way, um, seniors. So you've got lots of things about imagination for children. You've got adult coloring books for seniors, which mm. talk about imagination. But for everyone in between... There's nothing about imagination. And I thought, how strange, you know, we were all, when we were children, we were all artists and uh, 
actors and dancers and writers. And then all of a sudden, when we enter our individual fields of expertise, all of that, to some degree, dissipates. So I wanted to explore that and write something that had some childlike feeling to it, as I think you expressed earlier. It's very interactive, and there are lots of images and pictures in the book. But I really wanted people to explore as an adult how you can tap into your imagination. And that's such an important point. You included Einstein's quote in your book about imagination stimulating progress and giving birth to evolution versus knowledge being limited. And in my field, Mitch, as a therapist, I'm really on the on that like leading edge of how our thoughts, what we believe, and the power of visualization, which is using our imagination to to create the life that we then want to live in, different from where we are right now, and really feeling into that space by using our imagination. It's such a powerful tool. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why I, you know, I decided to really, this was going to be um, my topic. And also it's sort of, you know, it's funny when you think about the term playbook, it can sound instructional. And in some ways it is like a sports playbook gives you a play by play way to, you know, win, uh, to win the game. But I also wanted to emphasize the play aspect because I think, you know, if we can play more, we can be more imaginative. So that's, you know, it's a little bit of a double entendre here. Well, and the book does have that flavor to it of play with the images. I think most all of them you've taken yourself, right? The pictures that are in the book. (laughs) Yeah, and there's a lot of, I have, you know, one of my um, conduits to imagination is graffiti. So I take pictures of graffiti wherever I go around the world, and that kind of inspires me. So you'll see a lot of my uh, graffiti pictures um, throughout the book. You know what, Mitch, that was going to be my next talking point with you is I love graffiti art. I have pictures of graffiti art from so many different cities. Whenever I travel, I just find it to be amazing. And even just the way it's done, you know, that it's like at night, like trying to do it on the down low. And it can just be so beautiful. And the other thing about you, so we we definitely share that. And the other thing about it is some of the pictures that I've taken I've gone back and they're gone. So graffiti wow. is not, you know, it, 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 they, it's not as lasting as some other art forms that you might see, you know, in a museum or, you know, that you can watch on television. It's, it's sort of, um, you know, ethereal. So it's, it's, it, yeah. it's interesting. So, so you're working with this through your book, the idea that, that our mind, our imagination is important. We have an idea library laboratory within us. How do you work with your clients, Mitch? And how would you like us to use your book at our own lives as maybe an individual? How we can apply it? What I, what I found was that, you know, sometimes people put things in silos. So when you, when, when I was talking about writing the book, I think some of the advice I got, which I did not listen to (laughs) was it has Mm -hmm. to be more focused. You know, it shouldn't be. How can you write something for people, brands, issues, and organizations? Why don't you pick one lane? But what I found was the um, the collaboration or the confluence of all of those things are really what our lives are like. You know, we are 
we're not just people who work in an office or, you know, are living our lives at home or, or when we travel, all of those things are coming together. You know, part of that is due to technology. And I think Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, especially we're all finding we're being all things to all people, including ourselves all the time, wherever we are. So I didn't want, you know, I wanted to kind of write something that explored how those things interface with one another. And that also in an interesting way evolved with my work because I was advising a lot of friends and colleagues about their own lives. And I was using a lot of the lessons that I learned when I was working on uh, working for companies and on brands. And I think there's a lot more interface than people realize. And there's, you know, a little bit when we talk about people as brands, sometimes people think, well, I'm not a brand, but you could use some of the techniques that brands use to build your identity or your personality or how you come across in the world. So that's kind of the interface between all of these things. And for brands and companies, more and more, we have to be, we have to advise those brands and companies to be more human. And I think you referenced this a bit earlier about empathy, you know, and brands, Mm -hmm. especially today, not only need to be more human and more empathetic. So I think there's an interplay. Brands need to be more human and humans maybe can learn something from branding. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, in fact, we're really in sync because I have my thumb on top of the note that I was going to bring up with you right now, where you talk about a brand replacing the word brand with, say, life purpose, empathy, lifeblood, emotion. And and that definitely got me thinking, can you tell us about that? Because I I even never used to think of myself as a brand until a couple of years ago. And NOLA Therapy now is my brand, and I have many sponsors that support my work as a result of formalizing, like, what kind of, what do I want to be? And it's about changing consciousness one conversation at a time through my podcast and being a therapist and finding that my personal and professional aren't separate anymore, like I'm all one. So can you talk to us? Because I was liking that about your book. I feel like I could learn a lot from from you and I'm certain listeners as well. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll sort of take it from a couple of different um, angles. So I got, I don't know how this happened, but I got fascinated when I was working with brands and companies about what, what I would call is what is their archaeology? Like, mm. how did brands start? Because I think, you know, people don't necessarily know that. So if you look at brands like, for example, uh, Levi Strauss. Okay. Um, which is a client of mine um, from San Francisco years ago uh, when I was at Edelman. And what I discovered was that the, the founder, you know, um, Levi Strauss, actually created genes for working people who were working the roads, you know, who were okay. building the country. And denim was that material. So a lot of people don't know that you know, that what I would call archaeology of how that brand started. So how does that brand still stay relevant? Ben and Jerry's, you know, similar in the sense that the founders were real activists. And it's in a funny way that today, because brands, so many brands are positioning themselves as activists and take a stand on social issues of the day. And that's very authentic to Ben and Jerry's because that's how they started. 
And so, mm. you know, a lot of what they do, of course, they have great ice cream, but a lot of what they do is very much about um, reflecting and, you know, making a stance and doing something about the issues of the day. So I think, you know, we're, we're living in a world where both brands and people, in a sense, as brands, have to, or thinking about taking a stand and deciding and figuring out what their purpose is, which in my view is where imagination comes in. You know, how, you know imagine what your brand could do. Mm. Imagine what you could do as a person. You know, and you you talk as well how you were just mentioning about brands. And do you feel like it's more nowadays than in the past that they have to do something, take on an issue and being both against and for something? You talk about purposed activism. I was yeah. curious about about that. If you've seen a change. It, it's it's funny. I think in a way, and I was thinking about that this week, I think it's both true of brands and of all of us, you know, mm. we're all being asked, okay, well, you know, what is, if we don't agree with something, do we just sort of be passive and, you know, and stand back? Um, or do we commit to something we're passionate about and actually find ways to take action? So the same, I think, is happening with brands, but, they, but it has to be from an authentic place. So you, you can't just do it. You know, there, I, I've seen in my, in my years of working in public relations and advertising, very often something is done to win an award or to make a piece of content. And more and more, I'm seeing, you know, our businesses and myself and my own consultancy moving more towards, well, okay, what are you going to actually do versus say? So a lot has been yeah. focused on storytelling. Let's tell a great story. Well, what about doing something that warrants a great story? You know, and, and I think more and more, and that doing something could be, again, individually, what you decide to do with your life. You know, and some of that might be work, but some of that might be outside of work. It could be philanthropy. It could be, I mean, you know, look at Bill Gates and, and how yeah. he changed his arc and, you know, and his wife, Melinda, as well. Um, and that was a company that I had worked for many years ago. So, you know, I kind of knew the Gateses when they were, you know, much more in a, in a, in a work mode versus yeah. a philanthropic mode. So there's so much possibility for both people and brands to kind of change their arc. And imagination, I think, not only, as Einstein said, is is a big part of that. It is. So I hear you talking about branding and social issues marrying each other, basically. And yeah. I'm curious, how how do we see that reflected in the marketing? Well, I think you're seeing it a lot. Like, if you look at... Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many, especially in the, um, you know, if you look at REI, um, North Face, there's so many brands now that because of their, their target audiences are passionate about something, they have to meet them too. And, and there's been a lot of surveys and studies that show people expect brands not only to uh, make a product, but for, to stand for an issue or to help solve a problem. And I think you're seeing this now, um, not only in the U.S., but around the world, is that companies 
have to take a stand. So I was just, for example, Walmart just announced that they were requiring, I think as of July 20th, everyone has to wear a mask. I read that. Now that's not right now. That's not mandated federally by our right. government, but it is by a company. So you're seeing more and more companies and brands. I'm not saying they're they're they fill the gap of what the government should be doing, but they are having to take a stand. Yes. And we are seeing that more and more, even, you know, reading on social media, what companies donate money to various causes. And I know it's influenced my decision to, to buy or not from certain establishments based on. Exactly. And, uh, based yeah, and on you, you've just seen the whole, sorry, uh, you, you know, you've just seen the whole sort of discussion recently about Goya, you know, as yeah. a brand. Yeah. And, you know, and, and whatever anybody's political views are, it's something that's interesting to examine. And that's not something we really would have thought too much about, you know, before. Um, so that's why I'm saying, you know, it's interesting when you look at all of these elements, it's true for brands, but it's also true for people. Absolutely. You know, and Mitch, just an interesting thing about you, I wanted to ask you about as far as being a lecturer at the American University of Paris. Is that what you're doing yeah. now or is that something from your past? I wanted to no, know. No, more no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I've been there for seven years. Wow. So I'm what they call, you know, they have professors and, and what, what they call practicum. And so practicum are people who have uh, practical experience from you know, I'll, I'll say the real world or the real business world. And I'm one of those people that come in every year. And the way it's interesting because that class started, I used to talk much more about global branding and communications. And I moved myself into talking about social purpose. Mm. And every year for the last four years, I've given, and you'll see this in chapter six of my book, um, I challenge students to quote brand social issues. So for example, what can, how can we brand um, global warming so that it has more impact? How can we look at child uh, marriage and child brides? How can we look at gun safety or gun control um, in a different way using all of the skills that one gets from branding and, and marketing and communications. And instead of putting company first, put the social issue first and then find the partners. So the students, you know, in, in collaboration with, with myself have come up with, I think some amazing ideas um, that are incredibly imaginative. And I'm hoping that when people read the book, there may be people who say, you know what, I'd like to take that on myself, or I have a social issue that I'm passionate about. How can I make it more compelling and exciting and maybe use new language, new thinking to actually make a change happen? That was definitely a really interesting section of your book to me, where you're talking about social purpose marketing and using t topics and issues today like gun control and how to change the narrative, how to change the discussion um, and, and, fo and focus on other things as addressing gun control from different perspectives. Yeah. And just and, and I about think, it. you know, the, the idea that, you know, that, uh, you know, that came to fruition 
it was very interesting. It was, it was called Let's Make a Declaration of Independence from Gun Violence. So it was sort of, you know, using some of the terminology that is, you know, very Americana and mm-hmm. looks at our Declaration of Independence. But imagine, you know, reframing it so that it's not about, you know, only promoting the Second Amendment, but also looking at our First Amendment rights and our, and our, and our health. So, uh, you know, it was, a, it was an interesting exercise to go through and to hear um, through the lens, you know, through the imagination lens of millennials, um, how they would take on an issue. Yeah. Yes. Mitch, I want to, I'm going to go to my break portion to speak about my sponsors. When we come back, I'd love to hear more about the venture that you and your partner, Jesse, have started around. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Called Buy Moodle. And just Uh, to give you a heads up, after the break, to hear more about that from you and share it with our listeners. Thank you. You're welcome. So many people just like you have found help with CBD-infused products that support a sense of peace and wellness to help with anxiety, stress, sleep, and pain management. My new sponsor that I am really into is OneCoreStore.com. They have CBD products and non-CBD products. Their CBD products are sourced from 100% USA-grown industrial hemp plants. The products are compounded by a licensed pharmacist to ensure quality and potency. And then each batch is tested by an independent lab. And each package that you purchase has a unique QR code that gives you access to that lab test results for that specific batch. And a product that I've been using every day because I love to work out and my muscles get sore is their CBD muscle and joint roll-on. It has like a cooling effect once you roll it on. And I have definitely noticed diminished pain as a result of using that product. So OneCoreStore.com offers a variety of products for you and your pets. They are proud to offer Green Roads CBD products. And all their products are intended to support a sense of peace and wellness and to help you with things like anxiety, stress, sleep, and pain management. They have products with no THC, so there's no psychoactive properties, and they do sell a a few products that are full-spectrum and broad-spectrum CBD for those looking for additional ingredients with THC up to the legal limit. And 90% of their customers return for additional products. As my listener, you can take 10% off their already low prices by using the checkout code THERAPY, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, in all caps, by going to onecorestore.com using the code THERAPY for 10% off. So, 
I'm a therapist. And for those of you that might not want to do traditional therapy or might have issues around funding and resources, my sponsor, BetterHelp.com, offers affordable therapy through BetterHelp.com online and phone. You can take 10% off by using All Things Therapy as a checkout code. Additionally, Reset is a new product on the market sold at CVS and Target, and they're coming from the perspective that stress weakens our immune system, and they take a holistic approach that's science-based along with combining influences from yogis and psychologists and other body practitioners to help reduce stress by addressing the immune endocrine and nervous systems. They have time-released gel caps that have a delicious scent to them. The daytime capsule is citrus. The nighttime capsule is lavender. And you can take 10% off as my listener with checkout code THERAPY, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, at R. 3set.com or at CVS and Target stores. Lastly, my sponsor Focal is another CBD company. They are using plant-powered wellness, premium hemp CBD products that are combined with natural ingredients like valerian root, purple passion flower, vitamin B6, and lion's mane. There's a daytime formula to help you focus and stay alert without caffeine. And there's also a nighttime formula that helps you to fall asleep better and sleep more deeply. I am taking that product and I really like the way it acts and you're not groggy in the morning when you wake up. It, it's really effective. And as my listener, you can take 15% off your first order with code ATT, which stands for all things therapy, at focal.com, F-O-C-L.com, for 15% off your first order. And all of this will be in the show notes. Okay, Mitch, welcome back to our time together. And I wondered if you could talk to us about what you and your partner have been working on. Absolutely. So I I think... Um, what you see reflected really in the last chapter of the book, chapter seven, are brands that I and, and others that I've collaborated with have come up with that reflect a philosophy or a life stage or you know, who we are versus starting with the product first, which I know sounds a little strange to some people. But I believe there are so many products out there with no differentiation that sometimes starting with an idea or a problem that needs to be solved could lead to a product or a service. So that's kind of how the first one um, in this chapter uh, of a a concept that we came up with collectively, my partner Jesse, um, called Bimoodle. And by Moodle was an idea that came out of the fact that there are really two sides to everything and two sides to our personality. So mm. he self-identifies more as a introvert and a little bit of a glasses half empty person. And I typically identify as an extrovert and someone where the glass is always half full, mm-hmm. you know, much more of an optimist. But then we sort of realized sometimes we're not all one thing. And I think, you know, we started this, frankly, before um, this 
this administration in the U.S. Um, started. And what we're seeing is we're changing a little bit. We're not all one thing. And so, you know, as a symbol of the brand, we came up with this idea of a, of a honeybee and a sort of motto of, um, you know, sometimes you can taste the honey and sometimes you get stung. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the duality of life. And I think, you know, from your field of therapy, I'm sure, you know, I had a feeling you would, you would relate to this one. Very um, much so. And, and so it's an exploration really of, you know, uh, in an, you know, in an age of, you know, negativity, selfishness, cynicism, you know, bullying, really lack of bipartisanship, isn't it time to nurture our better nature um, and really dial up our individual and collective sweet and generous side? But on the other hand, don't discount some of our darker thoughts right now, you know, and maybe if we put them together, um, we'd be able to have a, a dialogue not only with ourselves, <laughs> but with others who may be um, have a different uh, type of personality or a different point of view. Yeah, I really took note on on by Moodle because it is so important as you're talking about like our darkness and our light, emptiness and fullness that we do experience contrasting emotions. I know for myself in the same day, I can go through a range of of emotions. So I really liked how you and Jesse address that in by Moodle. And. And the, um, and the sort of, you know, there's a B also, I'm a bit of a, uh, I like an acronyms a lot, <laughs> a little bit of how I work. So B, B-E-E stood for, you know, three calls to actions, really. One is be sweet and generous. Two is embrace your doom and gloom. Um, mm. And three was express both sides now. So that's the B-E-E of Bimoodle. And, you know, when we started thinking about what could, the products be and services that come out of that, well, it could yeah. be um, reversible things. So, like, let's imagine you had a, a comforter that on one side expresses, you know, your your dark side. <laughs> Maybe that's for night. And during the day, you embrace a little bit of sunlight, and that's your sunnier side. But don't be afraid to show both. And that was kind of, you know, you can actually wear it. Um, was one of our thoughts as well. So it could be reversible clothing. It could be reversible. Mm. Uh, we have we did produce coasters as our first as our first product. Um, and then you know a lot of this has to do with um, this chapter has to do with putting out ideas into the world. And instead of being so protective and and owning something, sort of putting it out there and seeing, well, would there be other people who may be listening who would be interested in the idea and would like to collaborate on some of this? Maybe people You talk who are a lot about that. Minded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About the collaboration and cooperatively working with partners. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that is the idea of this is to put things out into the world and see how things might take shape and other people are going to have different perspectives or might have different talent sets. So for example, right now in my work, I work with two networks. One is called fluid, which is more of a global network. So it's, it's independent um, thinkers and consultants from many countries around the world. And the other one is, is an organization called the sway effect. 
And so we sometimes come together and work on a project. Sometimes we do it individually, but we are more collaborative in our, in our mindset. And we think that can serve, you know, a client or a person better because they're hearing different points of view. Yeah. You know, and Mitch, I can't help but notice as you were talking to us about the way you and Jesse developed by Moodle that you used the techniques from your book. I have a note from an earlier chapter where you write about our gal- galvanizing idea path and to start with yeah. the hypothesis. So I noticed even the way you described and spoke to us is through this galvanizing idea path and three, four steps. Can you talk to us about that? process? Yeah. I mean, there is, there, there's sort of in, in chapter four, I have a whole methodology section and, and basically, you know, the one that I'll, I'll kind of talk about is, um, be, do, say, share. And it's a sort of classic, uh, branding rubric that I've uh, developed and reshaped and B is to look at what is your reason for being, what's your raison d'etre. And that's really to think about the vision. Okay, what is your purpose? So that could be your personal purpose or your brand's purpose. And that's where the whole idea of exploring with Bimoodle, that's a little bit of what you heard in in that reason for being. And that's a very important part. And then the do, be, do, say, the uh, share, the the do is how do you activate that? What are you going to actually do? So not only what are your products and services, but what are you trying to put into the world? Um, you know, and not, not necessarily about the language or the saying, but what are you going to actually activate and do? And that's a little bit where today's activism comes in. Mm-hmm. So, um, the say is communications and most brands and companies and clients love to jump to the say. So we hear a lot about a lot of advertising and PR, um, agencies talk about storytelling. And my view is have something worthy to say first. Mm. So, that, you know, so I encourage myself and others and, and clients to think more about what, what's, what's your innovation? You know, what product or service or something are you actually developing that's going to benefit us? Not only benefit, you know, the economy, but also society. And, and frankly, the environment. So that's the, the sort of do, and that's where mission comes in. So that's yes. part of the D. And then the say is communication. And then the share, because of social media and just the way we all connect today, is equally important. So how does your idea become everyone else's? You know, not just, you can't just own it and hold it tight to the vest. You've also got to develop something that other people are going to care about and be proud of and become ambassadors for. So that's a little bit of the arc. And a galvanizing idea is an idea that actually encourages one to do something, you know, that galvanizes people in a sense in a, in a could be a movement or just an exciting way. You know, Mitch, and I can tell our, uh, I can speak to our listeners as far as your book being a guide that if followed could help us to streamline the things we want to get out in the world. And I was reminded of that because in my own life, I invented a a modified workbench for people 
or who are in the glass arts as myself. It's my passion to blow glass and cast glass. And so I invented a workbench for people in wheelchairs to blow and cast glass from. And I received a U.S. patent several years ago. And I wasn't, I had the belief that I had to somehow kind of do this on my own. And fortunately, just this week, as I was reading your book, I'm in the place where I'm donating it to a local artist nonprofit in New Orleans. It's a glass facility. And we've partnered, I'm donating my bench that I paid to have built from my patent. And together, we're going to find people in wheelchairs to teach glass blowing to. And in your book, you know, I couldn't help but notice, like, I didn't have your book when I was trying to do all this on my own. So I feel like years went by and I didn't know what to do. So nothing happened. And so I was really delighted to see that, okay, you as the professional or like, I'm kind of intuitively now following those steps to partner, to find people to help and get the word out. So your book is really useful. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And that makes me, that, that really encourages me that, you know, you, you saw that, but also what you were, what you were just describing with the glass blowing is, is amazing. You know, Thank it you. Takes it, it takes an art to a new level, right? Because you're, there's a, there's a purpose behind it as well as um, a lot of imagination to, to come up with that. Thank you. Yeah. And I saw in your book, like it, like I felt really affirmed because you talk so much about, about the one's mission and purpose and what is this aha moment, a hypothesis. And for me, it started with wanting people in wheelchairs for glass blowing to be Americans with Disabilities Act compliant since it has not been and working to fill that, that gap and now hoping, you know, for partners to help me just take it around the world. And so that people can actually use this to have the happiness and joy that I get from being an artist. Like I want that to be accessible. And that's really, I mean, you know, that's the mastery of mixing really art and, um, and philanthropy together and serving, you know, an important need and sharing and collaborating what your passion is. So your book is um, yes, yeah, so helpful. Go on. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So many. I mean, so many people have a passion that they either haven't recognized, and it may be their work, but you know what? It may not be. So I, I think we're moving into. I, I keep thinking about how the different ages of society have progressed. You know, we've gone from an industrial age to an information age. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm still optimistic, that maybe this, the next age will be the imagination age. Mm, I love um, that. And, you know, and that will spark all of us to be more innovative, but not just innovative for economic gain, but also for societal gain and having the values of empathy, humanity, um, kindness, which I, I heard you yes. talk about in another interview, um, and collaboration at the heart of it so that we're not in these silos that we're actually doing something together for some, for something positive. And so maybe that is part of the information age, sorry, the uh, imagination age that's coming. That's beautiful. And so well said. Thank you. You're welcome. Mitch, how can people find you on social media? I know you're at Markson Mitch on Twitter. How can people yeah. reach out and, and get and, your book? And more, I would say, so if, if people want to contact, contact yeah. me, they can uh, contact me at imagination.playbook at gmail.com, or they can find me at um, on LinkedIn through Markson Idea Craft, 
or just Mitch Markson. And I think that would be, that would be the best way. And, you know, I'd, I'd love if, if people read my book, I'd love them to uh, tell me what they think. And if they have any ideas that they would like to collaborate on, um, I think that would be a great, you know, next step. Um, and I just encourage, you know, everyone to not live in the world of but. And I hear a lot of this, especially in darker times, you know, but I can't do this because. And I think that, you know, we're so prone to, to focus on the negative. And I think we need this, this, this uh, you know, more positive energy that we all have. But it's so easy, and I fall into this, you know, if you're watching the news all day long, um, right. you can fall into the, oh, my God, break, you know, uh, breaking news. And it's not, and there's no good news on the breaking news. So we have to create our own positive energy um, and, and really self-therapy, too, around this notion that, you know, we can do something. You know, things are possible, but maybe we can't do it alone. Maybe we want to do it with other people. And I think even when we can't necessarily physically be with other people right now, there are many mechanisms um, to share information and to share positivity and innovation and new ideas with people, uh, whether it's on Zoom or on, you know, Facebook or, or wherever, or just pick up the phone and, and talk to people. Um, but imagination really is something that I hope people can um, invigorate and, uh, you know, and bring forward in their own unique way. You know, I really like how you're concluding us in this place. And just when you said the imagination age, it's, it's resonating in my soul and how right now is such so many opportunities, I believe, Mitch, for creating. And I hear you saying that for us to be open, to be hopeful, to imagine, and that there's going to be some really wonderful things I believe created during this time. I'm um, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for those words. A pleasure. And I've enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time and for your book. This is, this has been great. I've been, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, I, I'm hopeful your listeners will have as well. Me too. And I'm grateful to have met you through our mutual friend, Candy Cross. I definitely want to yeah. speak her name into the show. She connected us. So I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. She's wonderful. She is. Well, Mitch, have a great rest of your afternoon in New York, your evening, and take really good care. I've loved your Thank book. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. Take okay. care. I will. You Bye. as well. Bye. That concludes my show today with Mitch Markson, author of The Imagination Playbook. It's really useful, y'all. At first, I was like, wow, I'm not sure. This is really out of my wheelhouse. And one of the things that expands my consciousness by doing my podcast is that I get to meet people doing things I know nothing about. And Mitch's offering really helped me to grow as a person to learn about branding and social justice and just how to continue to combine them in my own life. And so I want to leave you with that and wish you a wonderful weekend. And I look forward to being with you next week. Go check me out on Instagram, Facebook at NOLA Therapy and rate and review this podcast, All Things Therapy, on iTunes. Bye, y'all. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir 